studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. that a lot of singles have been meeting while waiting in line to get their vaccines. <laughs> it's really sweet until that moment when the masks come off. It's like, oh, we're good, we're good. You know someone didn't like you when they skipped their second dose just to avoid seeing you again. <laughs> um, yeah, Saturday Night Live did a whole thing about that. Do you know what the person looks like underneath that mask? And uh, I've, had a, I've had a couple of uh, experiences with that. I'm not in the dating world, but just... Your brain kind of makes assumptions about people. And there are some people that I've known exclusively masked for a while, hmm. and then their masks come on. I'm just right. You look completely different than I had, my brain had assumed you look. Well, right. And you just have to, you know, open up that file again and redraw the picture. Yeah. It's like it happens all the time with uh, golf buddies. You see them without a hat on, and you're like, wait a minute, you look familiar. Oh, you play really? golf with them 50 times, 100 times. Even just the difference with a hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Let me find my stuff here. Coming up, we all understood the press is in the bag for Biden, but when you quantify it and look at the moment, the minutes of coverage and their tone, it's astonishing. Stay with us for what, that. What is that thing we have on rest? Seven different kinds of rest you might not be getting? The seven types of rest you need no. in your life. I love that. Need. You need this rest. And also, we'll hear Take more. Take a nap. And... <laughs> This relates to y'all wherever you are in America, but uh, Los Angeles is working on their city budget. They're going to throw a billion dollars at the homeless problem. A billion dollars. Some of it's your money wherever you live because it's stimulus money. But Some of it, I'm sure, is legit and well spent. But my question is, as it always is, will it make it easier and more comfortable to be a junkie? What is going on with Russia on the border of Ukraine, Crimea? Are they planning on invading? Are they just testing Biden's resolve? Are they working with China in a coordinated effort? Who flipping knows? But here's some of what's been going on. So Biden kicked out uh, uh, or sanctioned a bunch of Russians about a week ago and kicked out some diplomats. Duh. Now, the reporting from Axios was that these diplomat or these people that were sanctioned were not very big deals, and he could have, I mean, if he really wanted to have teeth in them, and there are lots of known people we could have gone after that we didn't. I want to be a diplomat so bad. I'd, mm. Me too. I don't know about to Russia or <laughs> Iran, but... Um, you had an entry level somewhere. So then uh, Putin reacted over the weekend by kicking out a bunch of our diplomats. Our U.S. ambassador to Russia... John Sullivan said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. Oh, was I'm he not, one of the ones booted? I'm not leaving Russia. Which was a fairly major announcement. And then yesterday, the State Department said that John Sullivan will now be returning to the United States this week uh, before returning to Moscow in the coming weeks. And they said the reason was he needs to meet some of the new staff that have been hired. Oh, certainly. It's not that a guy got all, you know, uppity and it kind of violated international norms and we had to call him and tell him, hey, dude, that's not a thing. Now, you don't think one of the, the new staff is like a bucket of water and a car battery, do you? Well, so what are you suggesting, Joe? I'm not sure I follow you. I don't think he understood you can't do that. You're there at the uh, pleasure of the host company, or country, rather. And and if if we tell a diplomat to go, they got to go. And if they tell us we got to go, we got to go. It's an international norm. 
So you think that's what the cover was for the whole I've got to come back and meet the new staff? That's my guess. What am I missing? So, well, the Russians did not forcibly expel Sullivan on the uh, on the list with the 10 other U.S. diplomats, but he made the announcement that I'm staying preemptively hmm. with, I guess, our concern that Russia was going to kick him out. But anyway, now we're reco- we're ha- he's claiming he's coming back to meeting the new staff to meet the okay. new staff, but I don't believe that for a second, and neither does anybody else. Okay, see, see, I'm confused. If he is on the list of the ten expelled diplomats, then he's I understand. Not. Okay, well then, uh, then okay, now I'm intrigued. Is it for his own safety? What do we think? I well, Axios seems to be hinting, and Axios is digging into this. Axios has been doing the best reporting on a lot of different things, by the way, but uh, Axios. It seems to be hinting that it's a bit of a cave from the Biden crowd. Hmm. You don't want our people around? Okay, we'll, uh, we'll make up an excuse for getting him out. I don't know. I don't know. Or do you not want him there if we have to get militarily involved? I, I don't know. There's a lot we don't know yet, says Axios, about the circumstances surrounding this decision. Uh, a couple of things we do know, Biden is handling a complicated and increasingly dangerous situation with President Putin, who's amassing troops around Ukraine. More on that in a second. Okay. Yeah, okay. Biden uh, announced Russia sanctions, but then dropped U.S. plans to send Navy ships to the Black Sea to deter Putin's aggression against Ukraine, which nobody understands what that was all about. Question from the back of the room. In When gearing up towards conflict or in times of like actual military conflict... Are diplomats usually still at their posts? It depends. They they often are, though. And that's what I was going to say is I think the guy said, I'm staying. The U.S. is staying. We're all staying. And somebody called him and said, dude, uh, we're considering jumping really ugly on Russia, and we don't want you there. Have your assistant stay there and wish him well. And you wouldn't want to say that out loud? Correct, yeah. Anyway, well, you get... know, you wouldn't want to say out We're recalling our ambassador because we don't want him to get hit by the bombs. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, breaking news from the Wall Street Journal today was Russia's... We're not attacking Moscow, by the way. It's not happening. Russia's military buildup in Crimea is bigger than previously thought, with the Kremlin moving more warplanes and troops near Ukraine. Satellite photos show, and the Wall Street Journal has a lot of satellite photos that show what's going on there. All kinds of different fighters and aircraft and all that sort of stuff. Other well, and and significantly, it's not a it's not a uh, a military exercise when you've essentially built a base. And I'm looking at a field hospital, all sorts of vehicles, all sorts of buildings they've erected. Yeah, and they've got a runway there, several runways. Other Russian military units on the Crimean Peninsula include airborne troops, motorized rifle and armored units, attack helicopters, smoke generators, reconnaissance drones, jamming equipment, a military hospital that they've built, among other things. So probably not a training exercise. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Russian Motorized Rifle Brigade satellite image right now, and there are two to 300 vehicles. Parked. U.S. officials now estimate that there are currently as many as 80,000 Russians in Crimea and, Crimea and near Ukraine. That's nearly double the Russian force deployed there about four weeks ago. So in a month, they've uh, added or they've doubled their troop size. Now, other people put it at 100. I heard the number 150 yesterday. At some point, it becomes uh, my numbers higher, so it's more exciting. But I don't know what the actual number is. Somewhere between 80 and 150, I guess. Uh, but it's larger than the force the Russians deployed when they seized Crimea the first time in 2014. So it seems to be a pretty big deal. Now, 
Nav- uh, you got the opposition leader in prison, Navalny, who Putin tried to kill several times and poison and put him in prison, and apparently he's treating him pretty poorly there. Navalny's on a hunger strike and in ill health, and they're not giving him any care. There is a there was a protest being planned for the near future, and they weren't going to do it unless they could count on a half a million people showing up. They have 450,000 signatures on the particular website so far, so they've gone ahead and granted the idea for the protesters to protest in the streets. They didn't want to do it, uh, but Navalny was against it because he believed it doesn't do us any good to just have our people beaten and arrested. Um, we're not getting anywhere, but if the number was you know huge, we'll do it. Well, they're at almost a half a million, so they're going to go ahead and have giant protests in the street sometime soon in Russia, and there will be beatings and arrests. Mm. And you don't have a hundred and however many thousand troops in a military hospital on the border for no reason. So things could get very interesting very soon. Mike Lyons last week on this show, our military advisor who we really liked, he didn't he just flat out say that if Russia goes in, we won't do anything? Yeah. Militarily, we won't do yeah, anything. N- nothing of any great significance. Interesting. A couple of quotes from this article that I enjoyed. One is a bit of a head-scratcher. Philip Carber, who's uh, with the U.S. think tank, said, This is not a demonstration. It is a preparation for a major offensive. I am not predicting an attack. Wait a minute. I thought you just did. But within two weeks, it will be an option at the Russians' discretion. Maybe this what he's t- uh, this is what he's talking about. A uh, different think tank guy says, We can't rule out that this buildup is possibly a tool of coercion being used by Putin to get Ukraine to open the North Crimean Water Canal. I don't know from the North Korean Water Canal. I'm sure it's very nice this time of year. It's a <laughs> massive amount of military capability, and we don't know what direction the Russians will go. Oh, Fair enough. All right, so coming up this hour, the seven kinds of rest you need. I don't. I'm. I'm only getting two or three kinds myself, as far as I can tell. Uh, so I'll stay. I think for I just that. get the one sleep. You're, You're already flawed. Sleep is not rest. Different yeah. things. Okay. Wow. Sleep is clearly. I'll stay tuned. Um, also. <laughs> Trust me on this, Robert De Niro, the great high-handed lecturer. Uh, his divorce proceedings are more entertaining than you might guess. Star Plus of the, the Irishman? <laughs> yes, the shuffling near 80-year-old <laughs> kick-ass star of the uh, the Irishman, yes, among other things. All sorts of great stuff. Don't, don't dare go away. Please don't. Armstrong and Getty. Seven kinds of rest you need. Uh, but one quick follow-up to, to I just came across. So those protests in Russia are planned for tomorrow. So the half million people on the streets that will lead to beatings and arrests will be tomorrow. So that'll be quite a flashpoint uh, for how hard Putin pushes. And also, we announced yesterday, the Biden administration, that if Navalny dies in prison, which reports say he could at any moment, that Putin will be held responsible. I have no idea what that means. I got an idea what that means. Nothing. Same thing as when I take full responsibility for what happened. Okay. And I think it's important we move on. Uh, yeah. The, the seven- yeah, it's bull crap is what it is. Here's a protest. If I'm a Navalny fan, I organize half a million people go down to the Ukrainian border. Ooh, that'd be good. Stand there. Huh? <laughs> huh? What do you think of that? You can use that one for free, Alexei. <laughs> the seven types of rest you need in your life, and none of them are sleep. Sleep is its own thing. 
These are the seven types of rest you need in addition to sleep, all right? You getting out a pen to write this down? I am. I'm actually recalling a childhood, uh, boyhood joke. Why was the criminal uh, so energetic? Because he was arrested. (laughs) Tell you what, you're seven, seven years old, you're slayed by that joke. Studio audience loved it. I think you have to go younger for why did Silly Billy tiptoe past the medicine cabinet? So he he wouldn't wake the sleeping pills. That's even younger yet. (laughs) My 8- and 10-year-old niece will call Judy and me uh, to hit us with a string of jokes from their joke books. (laughs) That's really quite funny. Oh, that is funny. Oh, we got ducks yesterday. I have to mention that. We got ducklings. The boys are very excited about it. You talk about cute. Oh, my God. A couple of kids playing with their baby ducks. Oh, my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, excellent. You're going to raise them to big ducks or eat them? Or I guess so. One of, we're going to raise them. You know, give them names and play with them and then eat them. That would be weird. Mm-hmm. One of them is named Ducky. One of them is named COVID. <laughs> very cute. Shows the two personalities of the kids, actually. Now, did uh, you? Oh, the, the kids chose them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask if you did. COVID <laughs> the duck. <laughs> the kids have chosen all the names. That's how you end up with a female dog named Kevin. <laughs> Please stop using gendered language when you're naming your dog. Kevin the female dog. I was fighting I was fighting back against gender stereotypes by naming a female dog Kevin. It's very the, the bitch. Um seven types of rest. And then we can uh, get into each of them if you want to. Creative, sure. mental, physical, social, emotional, sensory, and spiritual, and you need to do all of these to feel rested. I think I I understand most of them, but give us a brief uh, uh, description. And I don't do all of them. Well, I'll give you, for instance, sensory rest. Well, part of this is different activities drain different reservoirs of energy. Yes. And and those are the things. So this is trying to, if you do one thing, this reservoir is going to get drained, and here's how you refill it back up. Yep. Here's one that I don't notice until I get into a restive state. Then I realize what a big deal it is. Sensory rest. Uh, you're likely experiencing constant overload, but you don't realize that we live with bright lights and background noise, kids yelling, traffic whizzing by, phones beeping. It all takes a toll if you ever get into a quiet, dark space to rest your senses. Um, whenever I do that, that's when I realize how loud and bright everything is. Interesting. So, like a dark space and, huh. Okay. Give your senses a chance to fully relax and recharge. Yeah. Huh. Is this too, is now, this too soft, sit, all this? Is this like... No, not at all. Not at all. Does it make perfectly good sense to you? I think it does. I think you can be a super dynamo tough guy, but you got to recharge. Now, sitting alone in the dark, drinking and muttering angrily. Does that count? <laughs> With your pet duck COVID. This is, this is my sensory uh, recharge. Mental rest. This one's kind of old-fashioned. Practicing meditation, such as focusing on a single word or thought, even just for a few minutes. Gives your brain a chance to settle down, slow down a little bit, studies show. Yeah, my meditation word is vengeance. Vengeance. <laughs> and then oh, you, really, and really then you recite the names on your list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. In a different order every time. Sometimes alphabetical, sometimes by age, sometimes by the level of my hatred. <laughs> It's like you can go from low price to high or high price to low on the Internet. Exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah. Or recent, most recent. Right. Sort by level of hatred. 
or oldest hatred to newest hatred, newest right. hatred to oldest hatred. You know, that that's one of my favorites. I've been hating this guy since fourth grade, whereas this uh. other guy I just started hating the other day at work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really put stuff in perspective. Uh, physical rest, counterintuitive, but it says movement improves circulation, which makes your body feel better and helps you get more sleep. So getting a little movement, apparently a lot of people get stressed out not moving enough. Oh, yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, in the modern world. Emotional rest, that we're not connecting with people or important things, and we're not getting or we're not recharging that emotional uh, part of our brain. I don't see that as rest. That seems as a bit of a, a stretch, isn't it? I don't know. Rest from the wife's nagging. No, <laughs> easy. Easy, you're a newlywed. Hot Mike. For other people. Hot Mike. <laughs> um, I see that as more as recharging, but I'll allow it. If you feel I'm not okay, I'm anxious, I'm scared, it could be a uh, you're not connecting enough with other people, you begin to feel like nobody knows the real you, that's a dangerous headspace to be in, and it can lead to problems like depression. So, emotional rest. Anyway, maybe we ought to post this at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, depression and paranoia. I start to think weird things. Like, what are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me like that? You know? I need that. This is good stuff. It's at armstrongandgetty.com. So, mutter in the dark while drinking with your list of people you hate. Yes, it's so (laughs) relaxing. I feel so cleansed when I'm done. What do we have coming up? Uh, a couple of celebrity divorces that will uh, amuse oh you, I guarantee. Plus, they've taken a look and quantified the coverage of the Biden administration versus the Trump administration. Yeah, we all know the conclusion, right? But the numbers, when you look at the numbers, are amazing. Jury verdict could come at any time. Of course, we're all looking out for mayhem in cities across America. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The White House is launching a media blitz today to promote the vaccine. You're going to be seeing Dr. Fauci on uh, unlikely forums such as Snapchat. And the administration is also going to be using Facebook and Twitter to send push notifications to Americans to let them know that it's their turn to get vaccinated. So let me get this straight. Your idea to get kids vaccinated is putting an 80-year-old scientist on TikTok? Good luck. Now, you know Biden's old when he's like, oh, we need someone young and hip for the Snapchat videos. How about that kid, Dr. Fauci? <laughs> um, Come on. The under 40 crowd is the crowd least likely to get vaccinated. The, the number of people who say they won't get vaccinated is, is going down. It's down to 17% now. But the younger crowd is the most likely. Atlantic out with a an article today about how officials need to start dealing with this whole mask thing to unwind it. can talk about that coming up, and I, w- I would agree. We ah. need to unwind the mask thing. Huh. In a related story, I've been looking at the question of vaccine passports, and the coverage of it has annoyed me a great deal. I'd like to point out what everybody's missing. So, great, a little vid talk coming up. But first, celebrity divorces. We're big on that around here, in case you're a new listener. <laughs> are we? <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not, but there are two I wanted to focus on. Who's got the most expensive one? I know forever it was Neil Diamond. I think Phil Collins passed it. Love on the rocks. A new surprise. I think Phil Collins passed it a while back. The most expensive divorce in world history. Yeah, I do not know that. Wasn't Paul McCartney up there? He was very, very big at the time, yeah, with uh, his uh, one-legged wife, uh, Peggy, who he ended up hating. That Was that her name? 
I don't think it was. No. That's it. <laughs> that's no, no. Let's move on. Just a... keep moving. Keep moving. Uh, so uh, Sean can look that up. The most expensive divorce ever. I'm on, uh, the, I'm on a listicle with 20 of them. I'm scrolling down to the, oh, to the number boy. one. Enjoy that. It's number six oh, will shock you. No, this was, it, this was really recent. Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos. Oh, oh right. Of course. Right. Please. Idiots. What's number two? Uh, number two... Alec Windelson and Jocelyn Win- nah, Wildenson? You, you I don't do, know them. You gotta do celebrities. French-American business and art uh, dealer? Well, boring. We, boring. Yeah. Uh, R- Rupert Murdoch, number three. Okay, oh, there you that's go. That's a biggie. There you go. That's fairly recent, too. So, uh, the only thing to report on Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's divorce is nah. it's been going on for five years now, which is twice as long as they were married. That's which stinks. All, all those on. kids they got. Just what a... And they're all saying nice things about the kids and caring about each other and wanting what's best for them, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Brad just found out that Angelina told her lawyers she is ready to testify to provide proof and authority in support of alleged domestic violence. Because of some mysterious incident on a plane that the FBI and the local cops investigated and dropped it. Uh, but anyway, so I just thought it was interesting that their divorce lasted is lasting twice as long as their marriage. On the other hand, I wish those two kids nothing but good luck. Now, on the other hand... The high-handed, lecturing, conservative-hating Robert De Niro, who I used to admire a great deal as a craftsman. Well, I still do. What's He's your favorite? Ro- What's your favorite Robert De Niro role? I don't know that I can pick one. I mean, uh, Taxi Driver obviously is an astounding performance. Raging it's, Bull is so good. Raging Bull is great. Um, in terms of sheer acting chops, no, I don't think you can do better than those two. It's got to be the Irish. Oh, shut right? up. When he's beating that guy down. And he's acting like he's got 20-year-old hips. <laughs> Meet the parents, too. Bad grandpa. <laughs> Good stuff. All classic roles. Anyway, uh, so Robert De Niro's lawyer claims his estranged wife, Grace Hightower's taste for the finer things, is forcing the actor to work overtime. In a divorce hearing held on Friday, De Niro's attorney, whose name is Carolyn Krauss, told a Manhattan judge that her client is working at an unsustainable pace in order to support Hightower, his ex, and pay off all his back taxes. Mr. De Niro is 77 years old, and while he loves his craft, he should not be forced to work at this prodigious pace because he has to. When does that stop? When does he get the opportunity to not take every project that comes along and not work six days a week, 12-hour days, so he can keep pace with Ms. Hightower's thirst for Stella McCartney. Is that why he did Bad Grandpa's? Because he's trying to keep up with the, the payments? Allegedly. Bad Grandpa is a pretty good movie, by the way. Now, listen to this. You got this, kids. this is the part where it gets uh, delicious. A judge recently ruled that Ms. Hightower will receive $1 million per year. The couple will sell their $20 million home. Uh, her legal team claims that De Niro is worth $500 million, but the his uh, his uh, lawyer argued that the pandemic's put her client's finances in jeopardy, whatever that means, and that his strange wife spending is only making matters worse. Her attorney claimed, however, that since they filed for divorce in 2018, so this has been going on for three years, De Niro has been unfairly decreasing his payments to his estranged wife, including lowering her monthly credit card limit from $375,000. <sighs> That's a month. To just one hundred thousand as of January of this year. Just I, I don't even dare ask my wife. How long could they, you live on a hundred thousand dollars a month on the credit cards? Oh, how long boy. were they married? Uh, they were on and off for several years. The second time they got together was a significant amount of time. But still, I just I don't understand why she gets all that money. What's the theory behind that? 
Well, the theory is uh, his client, uh, her client, is a, the the woman is owed payments to maintain the lifestyle see, she that, enjoyed when the they most, were married. That's the most ridiculous thing anybody has ever come up with. The maintaining the lifestyle. Yeah. So you spent like a crazy person, which led to the arguments that led to us getting divorced, and now I've got to maintain that lifestyle for you, perhaps for the rest of your life, depending where you live. With the force of law. I yes, was against exactly. it the whole time. And it was utterly irresponsibility. Yeah. Irresponsible. To right. paraphrase Chris Rock, when I go to a restaurant, I'm accustomed to eating. When I leave, they don't still owe me a steak. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That, that is a weird law. And, and uh, the, 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 I think feminists would do themselves a solid by, uh, by stopping those very places oh, around the world. Those, oh, you those, can't have a little lady getting a job. Well, those laws, yeah, those laws go back to when it was very common that a woman, you know, doesn't work, hasn't worked. It'd be impossible for her to go out into the workplace and maintain a lifestyle like having a home and being able to feed yourself. But to, to, to extrapolate that into the modern world, especially once you get past a certain level, is just stupid. Now, she was whining about that lifestyle she couldn't keep up. Uh, De Niro's attorney countered that Ms. Hightower has been going through money more and more quickly, claiming she spent $1.67 million in 2019 alone, including buying a diamond worth $1.2 million. Krauss went on to explain that on top of the financial demands Stellar Hightower's diamond. making. But you see, that's the, the way it works. I know this because I've been through it, unfortunately. And it's ridiculous. So she goes out and buys a $1.2 million diamond. You would say, what did you do that? Why did you buy? We don't need a million dollar diamond. We got these bills and these bills and these bills. And then when the argument blows up and you go to divorce court, they will include the $1.2 million in the lifestyle yes, that you obviously. need to maintain. She has uh, the right to demand uh, one of these life, uh, one of these diamonds every year. How crazy this is her is, lifestyle. How crazy is that? It's idiotic. So, uh, let's see. So, okay. So, De Niro owes millions of dollars on his taxes, according to his lawyer. And the money from his next two film projects got to go to paying off that debt. So, he's practically destitute. Despite Bad that. Bad Grandpa 3 coming with the year near you. <laughs> the other lawyer says, right. well, we haven't seen any cutbacks and no slowdowns in Mr. De Niro's lifestyle. He's living large. When he goes to brunch on Sunday in Connecticut, he charters a helicopter. When he flies down to see his friends in Florida, it's a private jet. He's freaking Robert De Niro. De Niro owns all that money. You are not Robert De Niro. Well, and here's You don't where get it... to live his lifestyle. Well, here's where it gets really effed up. However, De Niro's attorney says he doesn't take helicopters to brunch. And the girl's attorney said she never bought a $1.2 million diamond. All right. So everybody's calling everybody a liar. Sure. Now, here's where we bring it home. So awful. During the hearing, Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Matthew Cooper offered both parties a reality check. There is nothing ordinary about these expenses, said the judge. For 99.9999% of the world, these are extraordinary to almost an unimaginable degree. I want to get these parties divorced. I want to get Ms. Hightower and Mr. De Niro to go their separate ways. They will still come out of this richer than almost any human being who walks this earth. Finish this, said the judge, who then fired his gavel at somebody's head. <laughs> Uh, oh, I love that. Both of them trying to pitch their sob stories to the judge. What's the name of the movie where De Niro plays a guy named Rupert Pupkin and he kidnaps Jerry Lewis? King, King of Com- Comedy. King of Comedy. Jinx. That might be. You owe me a Coke. That might be his best role. That, Not very that, well known. No, no. That was a great movie and weird. You know what I came across by random last night? Uh, I've been on this 
Apocalypse Now kick for a while. I've, I've now decided that's my favorite movie of all time. Mm. The new cut of it is terrible. It makes the movie worse. Watch the original. Uh, that's its own interesting thing. Sometimes when you let artists bring you the album they wanted you to hear or directors to give you the movie they wanted you to see, it's worse than what you got. Sure. Yeah, movies especially are a team effort, a big old team effort. And sometimes sometimes the main guy, the guy you worship, is just wrong about Coppola wanted this long, boring, rambling dinner scene that led nowhere and lasted like 15 minutes. He wanted that in the original movie? Are you crazy? But apparently he did. And it's huh. usually some weird stuff. It's like, that scene was the reason he made the movie yeah. in the first... What? That was terrible. Anyway. Dinner table. Well, there's, there's, there, is, there are different levels of art. There are art. There is art for art freaks. And they would sit through that 15-minute scene and say, it's the very mundaneness of it <laughs> right. that makes it so extraordinary in contrast to the blah, blah, blah. And they would be blown away. But the rest of us would be like, God, when does this end? But my, my the, the thing I wanted to bring up about, because um, I was mentioning Robert De Niro in lead roles, mostly, uh, you know, greatest roles. Uh, Duvall, Robert Duvall? Yes. Another Robert. Duvall... From Apocalypse Now, which if you've ever seen it, you remember him. It's one of the of most it's one of the most famous roles in the history of motion pictures. And he's got eleven total minutes in that movie. Oh really? Which I, just I love shows the you smell of napalm in the morning. That's yeah. Robert Duvall. He's one of the most quotable what n- n- noted roles in history, as I've said. And it is only eleven minutes long, so it just give it just shows you that the writing, the acting, the whatever, it's not bulk certainly has nothing to do with it. Right, right. I found that I found that really interesting. There's how about, no how small about meet the parents, parts. Michael. Meet the parents. One of my the favorite classic. There are no small parts. What's John? I just you're not, like one you're of your not in the circle of trust, Greg. Just small actors. Gotcha. Oh, no small parts. Oh, just small. It's one of a. It's a Sean aphorism, is what it no, is. Meet the parents is great because it no. showed he had comedy chops, yeah. and, and he does. Of, yeah, not a lot of people can do that, and he for real does. In Bad Grandpa, he does. Um. Anyway, he's still a prick. Pardon me. Is this on? Sorry. Is that on? Wow. Sorry. Jeez, that's it. Yeah. Maybe you're bad, Grandpa. <laughs> Someday I will be. Um, I'm bad uncle now. <laughs> the Coven, Coven, Cavan, however you want to pronounce his name. Uh, you'd think Chauvin? This, Chauvin. You'd think this far into the trial, everybody would have decided on a name. but uh, Chauvin. We Chauvin. haven't. Chauvin. Um, that trial goes on. The jury has it. They could come back at any time and say we're done. And then... Uh, then I think all hell's going to break loose in cities all across America, maybe across the world, like they did last summer. I hope not, but we'll bring it to you, obviously, in all its forms whenever it happens. There are preparations going on in most of the cities in America that are going to be very, very different from last summer. That's the part I'm interested in observing. I have been, I'm going to start doing this now, tweeting out every picture, help wanted sign I come across. And I'll be doing it practically every day because every store I go into, every restaurant, everywhere has got a help wanted sign. Uh, a little more on that phenomenon coming up, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Businesses going on a hiring blitz as vaccines ramp up and states lift restrictions. But finding workers is apparently not as easy as it used to be. 
According to the latest data from the Labor Department, job openings increased to 7.4 million in February, the most since January of 2019. Even McDonald's in Florida is struggling to find or fill open positions. A franchise in the Tampa area told Business Insider he's offering applicants 50 bucks just to show up for an interview. Jeez, holy crap. We have outlawed entry-level jobs uh, to some extent by making it too expensive. And we have made it so lucrative to sit on your butt, nobody wants to work. It's I know. A, it's amazing. I it's went straight through, out of Econ 101. I went through a McDonald's drive-thru. They handed me a card and said we're hiring at seventeen fifty an hour. Wow. But we can't find anybody. But well, I'm so, glad we're paying eighteen here. I, I started uh, tweeting out all my uh, signs I come across everywhere because practically every business I go into has a help wanted sign. More from Shep Smith on this. Ocean City, Maryland's ramping up for a summer of fun and games. One big problem. We're way behind in hiring. It's been really difficult to get people to come and uh, apply for jobs. We're probably at about 20% of what we would have in 2019. Normally, businesses here hire about 12,000 seasonal workers, about a third of them foreign students on J-1 visas. But the pandemic is still a problem. Here, too, the need for child care and fear of infection may be keeping people at home. There are also people who say, well, I think I'll just collect my unemployment because I don't want to work the extra hours and make this amount of money. They would rather be comfortable here. Uh An extra $300 a week in unemployment benefits scheduled till September, blamed for keeping people out of the labor force, especially for part-time or seasonal work. We have not even hit Memorial Day weekend. It's really alarming to us as a destination. The hiring hurdle so big, Ocean City businesses banded together to beg Maryland to force anyone receiving unemployment benefits to search for a job. Wow. We raise a lot of our rates to $15 and even $16 an hour. And we're still riding that rate, hoping to attract the help that we need to to do the job that we do. Across the nation, they're boosting the offers for construction and health care workers, for skilled tradesmen in short supply even before the pandemic. Las Vegas casinos are holding massive job fairs. We're spending advertising dollars to try and entice people to come and get jobs. This is a weird depression. Well, we got to keep pumping out those trillions of dollars. People are hurting. They're really hurting out there. And those uh, unemployment benefits they were talking about in Maryland, they're scheduled through September. And let's see if they end then. Uh, remember, if you've ever read The Grapes of Wrath, how the, uh, the the family travels across in that old truck and they, they drive past thousands and thousands of help-wanted signs on their way to California to try to find work. No, I don't no, remember that part. No, that's not the way it worked, but... <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's just so—it's so transparent. What's happening? Boy. We're the—we're the party that will give you money. We'll give you lots of money. Vote for us, boy. And, and how do? How hard is it going to be to go back to work, especially if you're doing something you don't like? If you've gotten used to um, not. Yeah, yeah, boy, that is something. Yikes! Well. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, or uh, you can uh, text us, 415-295-KFTC. How much trouble are you having filling, drop, filling jobs, hiring people? Is anybody showing up? 415-295-KFTC. I promised this a couple of times. I want to pay it off real quickly. Uh, the good folks at uh, Media Research Center 
have been taking a look at the coverage of the Biden administration, the news coverage, uh, and uh, contrasting it with that of President Donald J. Trump. Now, the conclusion is obvious. Yeah, of course, they're softer, more positive on Biden. But listen to some of these numbers. While broadcast news outlets such as ABC, CBS, NBC spent more than 1,900 minutes of their coverage on Trump's first this many months in office, bashing him an 89% negative commentary, 89% negative. The same broadcasters offer Biden and his team 726 minutes. It's about 40% as much as mostly generous airtime. When it came to highlighting the COVID-19 agenda, corporate media outlets spent more than three quarters of their coverage praising the White House's vaccine rollout and approach to mitigating the spread. That's 75%. More than 86% of press time given to Biden's $1.9 trillion spending bill skewed in favor of that bill. 86% favorable coverage of that bill, which includes a lot of the things we're talking about right now or were a second ago. As Media Research Center notes, only 29 seconds, 29 seconds of the 120 minutes devoted to that legislation bothered to mention the exploding federal deficit or national debt. Wow. Networks managed to criticize Biden's and then response. You, and then the media reports, it's very popular among Democrats and Republicans. Yes, because it's been getting all positive coverage. Right. That's why it's popular. Yeah, in a related story, as they didn't say, uh, 82% of the, uh, of the coverage of the U.S.-Mexico border crisis has been negative. But that's actually lower than the 93% they hit Trump with huh. during the same period. So Biden and Obama called George Floyd's brother yesterday, which is interesting, among other things to talk about. Armstrong and Getty.